Former U.S. National Rugby Team Captain. Team Captain. Head Coach and General Manager. General Manager. Now, the co-founder and CEO of the New England Free Jacks. Now. Now. Full Contact CEO with Alex Magleby. Hey everyone, thanks for joining Full Contact CEO today. I'm your host, Alex Magleby. I'm also co-founder and CEO of the Humble Hungry and Free Spirit of New England Free Jacks. Joining me today is Jared Orton, president of the Savannah Bananas, probably the most free-spirited that are out there. The Savannah Bananas are part of the Coastal Plain Baseball League, the Collegiate Summer League, but yet, despite that, they've consistently sold out all home games uh, since their inaugural season and have gained viral popularity for their fans' first approach and absolutely wild player intros and all so much more in, in entertainment and fun. So with that, I cannot wait to hear more. Welcome, Jared. Yeah, this is awesome, man. I'm excited to be a part of this and looking forward to, to chatting about it. And there's so many things that I want to ask you, so we, we got to get into it. But just real quick, you know, we've got a lot of North American audience here who knows the Savannah Bananas, and we also have a, a lot of fans here listening in from uh, the UK and other parts of Europe and the Southern Hemisphere. Just quick, give us a rundown of who the Savannah ban- Bananas are. Yeah, I think the the easiest way to describe it is just a circus-like baseball team that, you know, is here in Savannah, Georgia that really just exists to make baseball fun. That's the simplest way we can describe it is that, you know, it is a real team. You know, we are competitive on the field. We do Winners, compete for champions. Yeah, yeah. We, we compete for championships and we've won championships and we've, you know, had the best record in the league for like six or seven years. Uh, but we really exist to make baseball fun. And that's where, you know, we've kind of broken through and really put our, ourselves out there as, you know, a, a team who wants to push the envelope on entertainment and on baseball. And we feel like when we bring those things together, magical things can happen for the fans and the people watching, the people at home, the people at the stadium. Um, and so that's who we are. You know, it's 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 not affiliated. It's not professional. We're not a part of Major League Baseball in any way. We're completely independent, um, which allows us to have, I think, a lot more fun. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. I think, I think it was ESPN, um, a team that routinely takes a sledgehammer to conventionality. I just thought that was brilliant. And that, may, right. and that maybe Major League Baseball could learn a thing or two is, you know, is, yeah. is what they went on to say. We're going to do a little word game as before we get into all the fun details. I'm just going to say a word and just say the first thing that comes to mind. Banana. Uh, banana split would be the first thing that comes to mind. Mascot. Um, <laughs> the Chick-fil-A cow. <laughs> Baseball. Um. Uh, Right now, the first thing that comes to mind is these yellow baseballs that we have sitting in our office that are the ugliest color yellow we've ever seen, but we feel like there's a yellow baseball out there somewhere that could be the right one. That's amazing. Are you guys testing for to actually be able to throw those in the Coastal League? Uh, not in our Coastal Plain League, but in our uh, Spring World Tour and Banana Ball games. Oh, wow. I, I'm really excited to hear about the Banana Balls. It's, I yep. love the recreation of sport and evolution perhaps uh, you mentioned the chick-fil-a cow that kind of goes back to your history where are you from originally you grew up playing baseball what else did you do Where'd you go? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, originally from North Carolina, and yeah, loved sports. You know, loved all sports: football, baseball, uh, soccer. You know, even even toyed around with some hockey. Not not playing hockey, but in college we'd go to hockey games, and so loved 
love the idea of playing sports and and love the idea of going to sporting events and uh you know in in north carolina where we were at you know it's 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 actually Braves country in North Carolina. I mean, because, you know, the Braves really just have the Southeast uh, and all the regional TV networks. So like always grew up watching the Braves, always grew up playing baseball, went to Belmont Abbey College. Uh, but on the business side of things, I, I, I learned so much during my, you know, primary years of, of development by working at Chick-fil-A and just the principles of being, you know, customer first and being obsessed with the customers and being obsessed with the experience and, you know, going the extra mile for people and, you know, not sacrificing quality just for the sake of, of earning an extra dollar. And there's so many principles that to this day, and I think probably for the rest of my life that I will continue to, you know, bring back and, and, and remind myself of because of that time uh, working at Chick-fil-A. We're, I, I'm, we're obsessed with that company. We're actually reading uh, a, a book about Chick-fil-A as a team right now. And so, you know, that was that was kind of me growing up. Simple, simple life in North Carolina. Um, never thought I'd be able to be fortunate enough to run this run this team here, this entertainment baseball team. Which is so you had to dress up as a Chick-fil-A cow. Is that true? That was my first ever job. I, I, I used to work the street corners at my local restaurant, uh, Chick-fil-A restaurant. Uh, I would, I would, I, well, yeah, we had the big uh, sandwich board signs. Uh, I'd go to basketball tournaments. We'd dress in uniform. Uh, I would count the stoplights at the, at the intersection to know when I could leave. Um, I, I, I knew the timing of the, of the stoplights. And so I, I could only be out there 30 minutes without dying from heat. Uh, and so I would count the stoplights and know, all right, it's about 30 minutes. It's time for me to go in. But, um, you know, starting from there and just continuing to learn the progress of what it really means to, to run a business and to do things for people and to do things for customers um, and to think dramatically differently in a way that that breeds some dramatic success. Um, you know, that that was that was my Chick-fil-A experience. That's really cool. My first job was working the counter at Baskin Robbins. I grew up in Salt Lake City, yep. Utah. You learn pretty quick how to do sales when you sell ice cream in the snow and the cold yeah, of Utah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's awesome. Right. What, 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 what are you guys taking out of Chick-fil-A as a corporation? Like, what are you guys learning from that? That's intriguing. Yeah. So, you know, right now it's um, the, the, the idea of growth is something that we're really wrestling with right now. How fast do we go and how fast is, is the demand for growth and then how fast are we able to grow? And, you know, Chick-fil-A has long been privately, a privately held family owned business. We feel like we want to be the same thing, uh, you know, in the future of, of our business. But, you know, the, the big thing from Chick-fil-A was all the Wall Street analysts and all the business folks and all the venture capital folks said, you guys should be doing 500 locations a year. This thing is, you know, rocket ship. This thing yeah. needs to go as fast as fast. And the founder, True Kathy, said, nope, we, we, we're not good enough to go that fast. At some point, we've got to make sure we're only building in A-plus locations and bringing on A-plus talent. And I think about our team here, you know, we, we probably could add on more teams and we probably could right. go to more cities and do more franchises. Um, but with that sacrifice, the quality of the product that we so firmly believe in, or would we start watering it down just for the sake of growth? And um, it takes time. You know, there's there's this uh, this joke that I've heard over and over that, you know, most most overnight successes take about 50 years. 
And, you know, we, we see these glitzy, glamorous things and people pretend to be successful and they, they, you know, have all these big offices and they've got these fancy sales models. And it's like, yeah, but do you have any customers? Do you have any people that believe in this thing? Do you have any people buying this thing? Um, and it's all about grow, 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 grow. Yeah. And at some point, you just can't do it. And um, there's actually an example about, you know, unfortunately, Boston, uh, Boston Market. I don't know if you remember yeah. Boston yeah, Market yeah. back in the day. Yeah. Uh, they, yeah. Used to, they used to be they used to be Boston Chicken. And actually, during the during the 90s, Chick-fil-A thought this was our this is our biggest competitor, Boston Chicken. They're going to turn into Boston Market and they're going to put us out of business. They really felt like this was a big uh, mega franchise coming to the marketplace. Yeah. They got venture capital. Uh, I think they ended up going public. Uh, in 1991, they had a handful of stores. 92, they went to like 200 stores. By like 96 or 97, they had thousands of stores. In 1998, they were bankrupt. And it was all focused on growth and not focused on the customer. Yeah. And, uh, and that's why we, we renamed our company. Well, Jesse and Emily renamed our company you know, years ago, Fans First Entertainment. Because without the fans, we are nothing. That's a thousand percent without an audience. Going back to kind of the idea of scalability, so you a lot of your guys' successes right now is because you're hands on, Jesse's hands on. You you guys still have to develop others who could then take that to the other locations. Or that's right. What you guys have as well is a, is a, is a great brand. The question is, is then how do you monetize that brand over time? And it, right now, you're, I mean, you're playing in a collegiate ball summer league that's similar to, you know, we're familiar here, the Cape Cod League. Um, you know, good quality collegiate players come through. Some of them actually make it to the majors in time. But it's you're limited by the size of your ballpark, by the number of games you can play in a summer. What are your thoughts on, okay, how do you, where are you going to take the brand? You know, you talk a bit about um, banana ball. You know, tell us about that. Right. It's something we've certainly been wrestling with for the for, you know, really the past probably two years, three years. You know, when, when we came to Savannah, we had this idea that we're going to bring entertainment back to this ballpark. Like we're going to bring what should be the featured product back to this place. You know, yes, there's a great baseball product, but we're going to bring high quality fun out of the box, ridiculous entertainment. And so in that, in that same realm, we said, we're going to focus on selling this place out. In our first year, we thought, you know what, if we could sell out five games, that'd be amazing. We ended up selling out 17. Now it took a while to get there. We sold out 17 games in that first year. And then beyond that, after year two, we've sold out every single game of the ballpark. And so by and large, we feel like, you know what, we've pretty much done what we set out to do. And so as we got to this really pivot point of year five, we realized that we had to cast a new vision for the business. We had to cast a new destination, really. Like, where are we going next? What's and, your plan? You know, that's right. And so you could you could sit back and we could keep doing the same old, same old every single year, sell the games out, good entertainment, be done with it. But that will not be inspiring to fans long term. That will not be inspiring to our stakeholders, you know, the, the people that are are a part of this business. So like our, our, our employees, our team members, like that's not ex- inspiring to them. Uh, it's not inspiring to our fans. It's not inspiring to our vendors. It's not inspiring to our city. And it's certainly not inspiring to us. And right. so why would we do that? And so we really got together as a leadership group and said, okay, 
what is going to make this thing go in the next three, four, five years? And we used some frameworks from, from some different books and things like that, but we casted this new vision of Savannah Bananas 24-7, 365, where ultimately, and it's aspirational, it's, it's, it's long-term thinking and it's aspirational and none of it really exists at this time. But yeah. the idea is that every moment of every single day, every single year, someone is becoming a bananas fan. And so yes. for us, the flywheel, ex- the flywheel example for us is the live game experience. Now we can't have a million games, right? Like that's not the answer either. There's got to be an element of demand, but at some point we realize we've got to take this game to more and more and more people. And so, you know, we realized that Savannah is an interesting place. We've got our summer series. And so can we do some one-off games in the fall and spring? Can we add banana ball to the back end of our summer series? And then the idea came, you know, what, what would it look like to go on the road, just like the Harlem Globetrotters did and the great, you know, the grateful dead and all these great touring acts like the circus, right? E.T. Barnum. Right. Because, you know, during that time, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but major league baseball did a big contraction of minor league baseball and they yeah. cut they cut 40, 40 teams yeah. right so we were like and part of that we're yeah. like oh my gosh there are cities just like savannah was six years ago where baseball left and so we, new england yeah because the, the the um new york pen league that's gone that's yep. single eight late start which is yep. the next level like a lot of your players would go that's right yeah. So yeah. we went to Mobile, Alabama last year and played in front of 7,000 people over two nights. Um, we've added banana ball games to the back end of our summer series. And so we're, we're being smart, hopefully, in the growth where it's not like we're going to add a million games. But, you know, our hope is, and we wrote this in our vision, that by 2025, we want to be playing in front of 200,000 people. Uh, in you know, in a, in a calendar year, what yeah. would it, what would it take, and what would it look like to play in front of two hundred thousand people? Because we know if we do that, then the content becomes year round. Yeah. We're pushing out more content. The merchandise becomes something that's in yeah. front of more people. Like it just creates this amazing flywheel effect. Um, and so we're growing that way on some more games and more cities and taking it to more places. And at some point, we're going to keep investing in Grayson Stadium, you know, what we're calling kind of banana land uh, yeah. to hopefully take care of more people on a, on a year round basis as well. I love that. And, you know, that's similar how we've looked at our business model is we can entertain you for two hours, mm-hmm. um, eight times a year, kind of guaranteed. Right. And we're going to make that the, the anchor of the brand and the experience. More importantly than that is can we provide that same feeling to 30 seconds to one minute every day and how best do we do that? And really working on that and credit to the bananas. I mean, you guys are almost at a million on TikTok. Is that still the highest in baseball? It should be. I haven't haven't checked after the world series. I don't know if the Braves or, or Astros picked up anything, but yeah, it was, it was far and away above any other major league team for a, for a good part of, of the past year. Yeah, super impressive. So it's really cool. So you've created a brand with an audience that's not just geotagged to Savannah. That's obviously the strength of it. That's the home of it. But now you're seeing that brand in a lot of different areas, which is very cool. And it's um, similarly to how we look at the Free Jacks is very hyper local, but also global and in, in making sure that we take care of our friends. We have 14 countries on the field and 
you know, yeah. we ship gear every day pretty much to various places around the world. And a lot of those listeners are on today, which is really, really cool. Operationally, cool. really interesting to me is how are you, so you have um, amateur collegiate university athletes, right? Um, which would also be curious if anything on the name image likeness is changing things for you guys um, or expectations of those athletes is how you recruit them from a baseball perspective, but then ensure that they're, they're people who want to be a part of, you know, what is very creative entertainment for most athletes. And they're not used to that, you know, um, you know post games in the, in, in the in the bathroom <laughs> yeah, yeah. dances and things like that so how, how do you how do you do that yeah so i you know i think it's it's really the principles in in any leadership level is that it starts at the top and we've got a great manager in tyler gillum who has been with us now going on five seasons he'll be coming into his fifth season and also has the same, almost the same assistant coaching staff uh, since day one with, with him. Yeah. And you just don't see that in our sport at all, especially yeah. in minor league baseball, college summer baseball. It's one year, move on, two years, maybe move on. Um, that longevity with a coaching staff is just unheard of. And you you just can't even put to words how important those people are in setting the tone for what it means to be a banana. And that's what Tyler Gillum talks about all the time. I'm recruiting bananas. I'm looking for bananas, guys who are going to be great on the field, but also great with people. And he yeah. tells them from the get go, we're going to be performers. We're going to be people who are, are for the people, for the fans, for the kids. You're going to sign yeah. more autographs than you could ever imagine. You're going to take pictures more times than you could ever imagine. You're going to dance. You're going to be in kilts. You're going to be on videos. And if that doesn't work for you, doesn't make you a bad person, doesn't make you a bad baseball player, but it just won't work for you this summer. And what we've seen has been so fascinating. We've seen guys come in who have been shy or maybe introverted, not really wanting to be a part of the, the whole shebang. And what we've seen is they actually will buy in They'll try it once. They'll realize how much, how freeing it is, just how freeing it is to take the weight of the seriousness off their shoulders and have fun playing baseball again. And, and we see it in the results. The guys play better. Their statistics are better from when they were at their universities. Guys are getting drafted. Guys are getting signed. Guys are getting looks all the time. We've won two championships in six years. We've won all these games. The proof is there that when these guys come in and buy in to have fun and not just make it about themselves and their statistics and their development, when they make it about the team and make it about the fans, amazing things can happen. On the on the name, image, and likeness side, I've been waiting for this day for like ever because I felt like we've got the opportunity to give these guys, you know, they're, they're doing so much. Like they're dancing, they're playing well, yeah. they're in all these videos. They already have an amazing platform. They, you know, there's a handful of guys that just by natural association get really popular during the summertime. They become fan favorites. Yeah. And I was like, man, the moment we can sell their jerseys and give them a cut of it is going to be awesome. And so we did this year. We had our, our name, image, and likeness jersey come out. Um, it literally had their face on the jersey. Yeah. Uh, so every everyone had a custom jersey with their face on it. So yeah. you know, 
image and likeness. Yes. Uh, yeah, it, yeah. it had their name on the yeah, back yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And so okay. we did um, we did an auction. So we auctioned off all the game used jerseys. Uh, we split all that money up amongst the team. And then uh, for 48 hours, I think, after that, uh, we gave them a chance to sell their own jersey as many times as they wanted to, and we we gave them a portion of that, uh, those proceeds. And then the the leader, so uh, Ty Jackson was the the leader in all of it, and we we've kept his jersey on the shelf uh, for the remainder uh, of the off season until next year. That's great, and, and I love. There's a, so many nuggets in what just what you just said. Um, you know, when you're recruiting and you're, you guys are recruiting those athletes, you know, that you're looking for bananas that fit what you're looking for. For us, you know, that's we're looking for people who could put the community first, but can work really hard. So we call it humble, hungry, have fun. And it was great at the end of this year. That was our first real season in Major League Rugby. You know, a lot of those players who had played in World Cups and Super Rugby at the top, top, top level of the game, which we're getting to. We're just not quite there yet. Um, this is the best experience in rugby I've ever had. This reminded me why I started yeah, playing yeah. the game. And that's awesome to hear. That's so awesome to hear. Yeah, uh, that's it. You know, but you, 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 words, you use the word bananas. And a lot of what you guys have done is create a language. There seems to be some tribalism in how your fans, you know, there's some rituals. What um, kind of what are some of the rituals that you guys have that keep every kind of moving forward to the vision, but along the lines and the frameworks of the brand? You know, what, what are some of those rituals? Yeah, you know, I, I think what we've realized is that people, especially when it comes to sports, uh, they're looking for that community. They're looking for that that group of people to align with. And it's so wonderful in sport because you get to break down so many barriers. You know, you break down most social economic barriers uh, in sports. And you look around our stadium and it's every everyone from across the map, the world, you know, uh, location and, um, and and socioeconomic status and gender and race like it just it's a mixture of everyone and that's the beauty of sports is that you know we could disagree on everything across the line but when we come to a bananas game we're singing we're dancing we're high-fiving awesome. each other we're cheering together and that was that was when we launched our vision it was like we exist to bring people together and, you know, that that mentality of like, you know, f- for us, what, what we talk about is like it's always someone's first game. And so no matter what the night is, it's always got to be it's always got to be opening okay. night. You know, it's always someone's first game. And that's so true because people are coming from all over. And not only is it someone's first game, it's someone's celebration or it's and, and sometimes it's also someone's um, uh, like 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 get away from maybe something sad like yeah. you know it could be a, a death a, the death of a family member and the bananas game is their first time back out with their you know extended family and we've we've literally heard those stories or it might yeah. be their anniversary or it might be their birthday or you know during the pandemic it was just trying to get away from being locked up for you know six months eight months 12 months and we heard so many of these stories and so that's the reminder to people is like we exist not just to play a baseball game entertain people make them laugh and go home like we are actually doing something for these people that they can't get anywhere else and they're searching for it and we get to be the provider of that and i think the way we've articulated that is we're in the business of joy that sounds like you've really encapsulated that in the behaviors 
of the staff and players and just yeah. the whole experience. So speaking of staff, you guys play what, 26 games? How many games do you play in a summer? Yeah, roughly uh, 26 games yeah, so during the summertime. basically like games every other day or every day or every couple days. But that's wild to me, right? We have a whole year to plan for – got a lot of academy stuff around it, but eight full yeah. matches, you know? Yeah. Um, how do you guys manage that? Like how do you go about operationalizing that with your staff? How do you make sure you're growing and changing and learning from one experience to the other? How do you map out that in advance? How do you keep innovating? I mean, there's so many parts of this, you know, that it really is a fascinating uh, question because uh, the idea of the feedback loop can be so extended and you lose sight of like, what did we do last year? And so we're constantly trying to close that feedback loop operationally so we can remember and make changes and make tweaks and experiment on a consistent basis. Now, sometimes we do that to the detriment of ourselves where maybe we experiment too fast and we don't allow for the results to actually come in a scientific manner that actually you know, show us, hey, which way this is actually leaning. And so yeah. we're constantly asking our, our team, okay, what are the things that, what are we tracking? So like you launched a new idea, great. Are you tracking it? Are you are you tweaking it? What are the variables? Um, are you sharing those results with your team? Have you shared why you're doing it with maybe the hourly staff or other people that are that are a part of this? And then, okay, are you reviewing that the day after or the hour after or two days after? And then are you implementing anything new on that uh, on, on that project? And so, you know, what what we've done in the past was just like new ideas and then yeah. no one tracks them and no yeah. one remembers them and no one, yeah. you know, goes back and says, did that work or not? Yeah. Um, and so what we're trying to do operate operationally, especially as we grow to 15, 20, 25, some odd people on our team is, Hey, we love ideas. Ideas are the thing that keeps this fire going, but are you implementing them? Who's owning them? Who's accountable to them? Yeah. And did it work? Like ultimately did it work? And we're not going to, we don't punish anybody if it doesn't work. Like that's just a great learning scientific experiment. Um, but like, did it work or did it not work? And are we going to keep pushing this thing down the field? And so we, we want to reward ideas all the time. Um, but where, where the, you know, where the, where the sausage is made is, can you actually implement it? And so as we grow, uh, you know, we used to just be a four person staff. And so it was like, you came up with an idea and you did it. Yeah, now right. it's like, okay, are people actually, you know, seeing, the, seeing their ideas through? And um, that'll be a challenge as we, as we continue to grow. And yeah, that's where we're at. We've kind of gone from two to three kind of non-rugby, so non-sports side. And now that's mm -hmm. six and that's, you know, going to be 10 pretty quickly and it, it grows fast. So yeah. as we're churning out more content and all those kind of things, the question I'd have is how do you, do you run on all hands? Is everybody report to you? Is it more everybody's just doing their own thing and then they just know the rules of, of the game or how does that, how are you managing that? Yeah. So as we've probably in the past 18 months or so, tw uh, two years, we've really identified what are the most important things that are, are the pillars of our business. And so we've got our ticketing, we've got our merchandise, we've got our uh, stadium operations, we've got our finance, we've got our people. Um, and, um, and we've got our marketing, marketing intention. So yeah. I was lost there for a second. And so really those six pillars 
are kind of the things that make this puppy sing. Like yeah. this is what our business is about. And so we've got those leaders who are a part of those teams. And then underneath that is where we're trying to teach people to be accountable to leading their team well. So like, all right, marketing team, you've got video and content creators that are part of your team. I personally know that I can't lead every content creator, ask how their day is going, ask how their projects are going, do a check-in with them, you know, do a three-month uh, evaluate. I, I just, we yeah. can't do it. You just no lose your mind. And so that's the, that's the place that we're at right now is, okay, what's most important to the business? Um, and then how do we equip those people who are, you know, potentially leading those areas to then lead their team well and bring on seasonal talent, bring on interns, bring on full-time people, um, and then hopefully... Mm -hmm. I am able to lead those six or seven people really, really well, jump into other conversations where needed, uh, but really teach that that next wave of people, yeah. hey, here's how to lead. And, are you, and you said that in an interview once, leading people is probably the most important skill. Why is it that? It is. Um, no one teaches you it at all, really. Uh, unless you're extremely fortunate to maybe work in a, work in a highly people oriented business, you know, I think Chick-fil-A, uh, taught me a little bit about it, but you come into it and you just, um, you know, everyone is like, like technical skills and, uh, you know, marketable skills and, uh, what can you produce? What can you sell? And, and those are all obviously extremely valuable, but when you get to a point, you've got to lead people because, uh, business is extremely easy until people get involved. Right. And people are the most, right. People are the yeah. most expensive investment. Um, and they are an investment. People are the most dynamic when it comes to like you insert one person and all of a sudden the whole dynamic changes. Um, they're the, they can be the most, um, when, when you think about organizational communication, you know, every new person adds infinite lines of potential communication. And so there's complexity that gets involved there. But if you do it right, people can, can be the most amazing gasoline to the fire part of your team. And, and that's where we've, we've had to lean in uh, because leadership of people uh, can completely break down your organization. If you're someone who's just, hey, we're about the money and we're about you know production and we're about results. Hey, those are all great. But if you're not about a, if you're not about the people, then you'll look to the rest of your team and realize there are no people left, yeah. and you'll burn them out, and they won't feel cared for, and they won't know what direction you're going. Um, and so we've we've had to make that a, an intentional thing. Uh, on a regular basis to, to love people well, to lead people well, to care about them, to expect results, to be accountable. Um, and that obviously goes both ways. Yeah. And it's kind of leadership 101 is making sure that everybody has clarity in their roles. But then you guys are probably a bit further down the track than this on us. You know, as we grow I mean, we have people who are like, okay, this is your, this is your box that you really get to be excited about and you're really skilled at. But we're a startup you're actually wearing multiple hats and that's the, sometimes it's like, it's clear, but not so clear. Right? It's like, cause somebody else can't do it cause they're focusing on something else. And we just started mm -hmm. a new initiative. And um, yeah, it's that, it's that sometimes the lack of clarity you get in startups as the company builds, 
then it starts changing what you need from each person, not necessarily utility knives, but specialists. And then Mm-hmm. It's, more, it's more management as opposed to necessarily leadership in that case. Yeah, and and for us, what we've shared with people is, hey, as we grow, we're not we're not taking roles away from you. Uh, just because we're adding people on, you know, what what we realized was like, there's got to be an expert level to some to something that that each person has, and so hey you're going to wear some multiple hats. You're going to be in charge of a few different things. But what is something for the next 12 months that you can really become an expert at? So if you're on the marketing team or whatever, you know, could you really become an expert at this social media platform? Or could you really become an expert at uh, YouTube or whatever it might be? And it's like, hey, we get it. You're spread thin. You've got this project. You've got the website to build. You've got the, you know, uh, collateral to build over here for the ticketing yeah. team. But is there something on a daily basis you're like, oh man, I'm learning about this every single day. I'm growing. I'm 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 gonna become the expert at it. And then can you teach that to others? And so we've started asking, you know, certain people on the team, like, hey, what's that one thing that you want to maybe become an expert about? You know, over the next twelve months. Uh, not that like that's the only thing you do every single day, but let's let's become expert level at this thing um, because there will be results in that big time. The generalist, you know, just being good at about 50 things. I mean, let's let's really get narrow and deep on yeah. a couple good things and then move on to the next. Yeah. Yeah. And then, but that's always the hard part when we have a lot of things that need to be done. But you don't have the resources yet to, you know, to have a person for every single, you know, kind of iteration of things you want to do. You once you talked about problem finders versus problem solvers. We talk about that a little bit. It's kind of in this vein. Yeah. So, you know, it it kind of came back to the a time where uh, where we didn't have a lot of people, and it was at a time where we were growing really fast, and a lot we didn't have a lot of answers to to certain things. And there were, there were times where people would just say, Hey, this isn't working. And it's like, great. What are you going to do about it? Uh, because certainly we don't have the bandwidth to do anything about it. And what I, what we realized as we were hiring, we said, okay, there's, there's actually something here. Um, I love people that find problems, love that they're investigative and intuitive enough to find those. But what about people who solve problems? Uh, you know, that's those are the people that we need on our team over and over and over again. And there, there's an old uh, there's an old story that I think was told at uh, General Motors about, um, you know, when when they or maybe it was Henry Ford. Anyways, they were working on a production line and one of the original engineers decided to move on and leave. And he was an expert at the at the production line. Well, something broke down and they couldn't figure it out. And they called the guy and said, hey, can you come back? This thing is broken down. We need you. We, we can't figure it out. All, all we can do is find the problem. And so he came in, fixed it and left. And he sent them the bill. It was $10,000. And they said, whoa, 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 whoa. How is this bill $10,000? The part, like we need, we need an itemized receipt. And he goes, okay, I'll give you an itemized receipt. And so he listed, you know, the part was $10, knowing which part to find $9,990. And so we need people who are experts at solving the problem. 
And it's great if you find it, what, you know, that's, that's, that's great. But people who can actually come to the, come to the table with solutions, um, that helps us move fast. And, 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 and that's, that's the end goal here is that you empower people to make decisions, uh, to solve the problems for the fans. Yeah. And then, I mean, it sounds like you really empower them to run with it and then they have, and they're not going to get in trouble if it doesn't quite work out. Like the whole point is we're innovating, we're, we're changing, we're constantly changing, we're updating. There's a new idea out there. And what we do today is not necessarily what we're going to be doing in three years. Find the next thing. Our, our, our staff, our players came up with just along that lines of problem solvers on their own, hand up, not out. And I thought that was great. I really liked that. Um, speaking of the experience, how do you guys, you know, change, do you change much uh, game to game? You know, so if I'm a season ticket holder, do I see something totally different two days later? Uh, the short answer is it's, uh, it's top of mind all the time. Uh, our entertainment team is fantastic. You know, Jesse leads a lot of the conversations there. We brought on a, a guy named Zach from, uh, he was doing some work with the, the Las Vegas uh, Golden Knights hockey team awesome, and yeah. brilliant stuff that they've seen and take inspiration from. And truthfully, their goal is that they have a huge plethora of basically like the bag of tricks, if you will, that they yeah. can pull from hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of bag of tricks that they can insert every single night and say, you know, because basically our goal for the customer, the fan is to leave the game every night and say, you wouldn't believe what I saw at the game tonight. You know, they did fill in the blank. Now, what I will say is, you know, the, the show team, the entertainment team has learned there are some main things that you just can't get rid of. We've got some songs, some dances, you know, that are that are our things, right? Yeah, that's those are your rituals, though. That's your language. That's the part that's of right. Yeah, that those are our fast, that's yeah. right. Those are our fastballs where you come and it's like, all right, I know at this time they do this dance and they sing this song. And so those are the things that that won't change. Um, now, we'll try to iterate them or maybe plus them in a different way that, uh, you know, kind of presents itself in a different fashion. But 60 percent, 70 percent of of the show is going to change almost night to night. And it's really fascinating uh, to see them pull it off. How big is that staff that you guys run with? The entertainment team as a whole, performers, characters, uh, assistants, things like that, uh, is upward of uh, 35 people. I would 40, 40 of, people, maybe. Contractors on that. Yeah. So people who can wear different, like literally different costumes. Yeah. Um, but you have our, our, our on-field staff who's like the, uh, like the production side of things, which is five, five or so people. Yeah. Uh, you've got the band, which is 10 to 15 people each night. You've got yeah. the dance team, the banana nanas, which is six or eight people. You've got the man and a cheerleading team, which is four yeah. or five people. Then you've got uh, mascot, breakdancing first base coach, secondary host, DJ out front. The man nanas and how you recruited for the man nanas. Yeah. We were talking about having a spirit squad. And one of the ideas of the spirit squad was, no, let's, let's do it to capture like old retired, you know, rugby players, you know, kind of grizzly. And yeah. uh, the question is, how do we recruit them and make sure that they're honored and that they have a lot of fun? And so how'd you go about that? I mean, in the in the most basic way possible, we just put out some social media posts about it and people just started tagging their friends saying like, oh, you've got to do this. So usually every spring we'll have a, a talent tryout and we'll list the things that are involved, you know, 
the basic stuff, national anthem, but then we'll start throwing in some like, all right, we're looking for, you know, jugglers or we're looking for the man. Like we'll kind of have one big thing where it's like, oh, this is our new act that we want to put together. Um, And yeah, the, the idea came from the, uh, the Korean baseball league who has these uh, like section leaders who are on microphones and they have like yeah. clipboards and, and, and cue cards and things like that. Um, yeah. And we were like, okay, we like that, but we need them to be bananas. You know, we, we're, we're not, we, we, we don't need like professional uh, choreographers. We need yeah. the dad bod cheerleading yeah, squad. Exactly. That's awesome. Are they all volunteer? Do you guys give them a stipend? Is that like, how do you manage that? Yeah, they, they get paid, uh, they get paid their nightly rate. Um, of course they do it. They do it for the love of it. Really not the money anyways. Um, but yeah, and we take them on the road with us. So they'll go to the, the roadshow cities, um, and they'll have the time of their life. That's great. You throw them on the bus and Mm -hmm. go for it. Speaking of money, you guys don't have any advertisements, sponsorships inside (laughs) the stadium. No traditional sponsorships. Like the, yeah, that's like the third pillar of you know sports entertainment. Right. Second, that's right. Yeah. You know, it it goes back to the principle for us that um, we're doing it for the fans, and so what we realized was similar to ticket sales, where you only have a limit. Um, you can really only sell so much of your ballpark and your space before it just become becomes a postcard of everyone else's logos and, and images and words and names. And, uh, you know, I look back at some of our photos now and it's like, man, that was so ugly. And, Mm. you know, for us, it was like, are we going to keep, are we going to keep selling out to the, the people who just, you know, stuff our pockets or are we going to sell out to the fans? And, yeah. you know, if you think about sponsorship and, and advertising, you really exist to make about 50 people happy. Like your your whole mindset is I got to make these 50 people happy and I got to accomplish their goals and make sure that whatever they paid me for is accomplished. And a lot of times, unfortunately, that's to the detriment of the fans. Now, there are there are wonderful advertising campaigns and marketing campaigns that that add value to the fans, but a lot of them, especially in the local level and the minor league level, they just exist to put their billboards up and send out their pamphlets and put their logo on something. And we just felt like that wasn't the best fan experience. The second piece of it was we put ourselves in our customers' shoes, our our our, our advertisers' shoes, and we said, would we spend the money would we buy these ads and when you do that it gets kind of dicey because i don't know if i would i don't know if i would spend 15 20 25 like we we no no offense to the hockey team that just opened up but we have a hockey team that just opened up in town and i don't know what they're charging but if they came to me and said we've got this marketing and advertising package you know do you want to buy it you're like we already generate that audience on our own through different and, means. Yeah, yeah. and even if we didn't generate the audience i don't know how i could convince myself that 25 30 40 50 thousand dollars or whatever it is or x on that yeah what's your roi yeah right and so we put ourselves in those shoes and we're like man we just we just don't know if we can do yeah. this so we have a few limited advertisers 
who um, are very experience based to the areas that they're they're around food and be- a lot of them are in food yeah. and beverage. Uh, we have one in our club who uh, really allows us to do some great things in our club space. Um, and so we've just been very strategic. Now we take everyone's call. We, we want to genuinely hear what could be a great partnership. Um, but we just tell them straight up, if there's something that can add value to the experience of our fans, we're all ears. Um, if this is just, you want to push your product in front of a bunch of people and get your logo out a million times, you know, probably not the space. And so, um, we have the conversations, we keep having the conversations. Some people fit, some people don't. Um, there's some, there's some exciting ones that are coming down the pipe potentially for these roadshow tours. So for example, we did one with the uh, local tourism group in Mobile last year. And so we, we did this all expense paid trip for any fan in the entire world, whoever wanted to come, uh, to come and watch us in Mobile. Well, that's a fun thing to talk about and film yeah. and show off. And, you know, fans are excited. People want to talk about that thing. Um, if it was, you know, the Mobile Alabama Bananas game presented by Ford or whatever, who cares? Yeah. Yeah. Not a big deal. Yeah. yeah. That's why we look at it is if it's, if it's products or services that we would really want to use and that the companies have the same same value systems as us, mm-hmm. and that just as much as we can leverage up their opportunity, so they get a you know a three to four x or five x return on investment, where people yeah. are using their products and their good products for the environment and just you know our world. Um, and on the flip side, that they're also bringing us a new audience. You know, and that's yeah. a really important piece, and, and that's how we look at it. And all of those have to be measurable for us uh, to yep. kind of get on that path. But I really like how you guys are doing that. The, that the brand is superior. To, to all that and um, and we've been able to do we've been able to do great partnerships with uh you know th- this past uh spring there's a company called Ro- roosevelt's rsvlts uh and they were partnering with a media company called john boy uh they do a lot of baseball stuff anyways um they came to the table and said hey we want to partner with you guys on an exclusive crazy button-down hawaiian looking shirt uh can we do this promote and they had a massive audience they had built-in buyer. It was like that's a no-brainer. You yeah. win, the fan wins, we yeah. win. Yeah, exactly. And yes, it's yes, that yes. Want, that you would want to have probably personally. Heck speaking yeah, of, heck yeah. Speaking of road shows, so banana baseball, something you banana ball, something you guys invented. What are just some of the kind of little wacky rules around it? It speeds up the game, right? Like it's. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. So the the first, it all came from, yeah. How do we speed up the game? How do we make baseball uh, faster, more entertaining? You know, how do we take all the exciting parts of baseball and just compress it and eliminate all the friction points of baseball? And so, you know, there was, there was a a few pieces of it as we were thinking about it. And so like walks and mound visits and, and uh, bunting and stepping out of the box and stepping off the mound, like all those things that just dramatically slow down the game that really don't need to happen. We said, all right, cut those things out. Let's just arbit like once and for all cut those things out. Um, on the flip side of things, we said, okay, how do we make the game shorter? And I know this sounds so elementary, but it was like, you just have to stop the game. Like if you want, if you want a short game, you just got to stop the game. Baseball is the only sport with no end, uh, you know, rugby and soccer and basketball. Yeah. Everything's got an end. A yeah. movie, even a movie has an end. Exactly. Um, baseball literally has no end. No if end. you if 
if you wanted it to be because the defense controls the time. Um, and so we said, okay, you just got to put an end to it. And so we said two hours, two hours is the, is the magic time limit. So it's a two hour time limit. Um, we did. Yeah. I mean, in most sports and in entertainment, two hours is about all people can handle. Yeah. And, so we said to like two hour time limit, and then we we wanted to eliminate the blowouts. So like in baseball, a lot of times you can go up fifteen to nothing, and all of a sudden it's a blowout. No one cares. No one goes home. But you got to play. You got to keep playing. And so we said, what if we made it more like a boxing match, or like or like match playing golf, where tennis. every inning, yeah, or like tennis, where every inning counted. You had to win every single inning, uh, and then the first team to win five innings would be declared the winner. If you don't get to five before the two-hour time limit, then the game is over. Or if it's tied, so if it's 4-4 four, four, or 3-3 three, three, or 2-2 two, two, yeah. or whatever, uh, at the two-hour time limit, then we go to the showdown. And the showdown was taken from hockey and soccer, uh, where just like penalty kicks, take everyone off the field, pitcher, catcher, hitter, one-on-one, the pitcher either has to strike the guy out or the hitter has to put the ball in play, round all the bases. The pitcher has to chase the ball down, get it, throw it back in, and get the guy out of the plate. Oh, and um, it's chaos. It's absolute chaos. Have you tested it? Have we've you had. It? Oh, yes. We've played, uh, we've played eight or nine games now. Oh, wow. I was a. F- I was a fan one night, um, so all of our staff goes undercover. We call it undercover. It's not really undercover. Yeah. It's just go be a fan for a night. Yeah. So I was a fan night during one of our banana ball games, and I got to witness a showdown play where the timing worked out, where the guy was rounding the bases, the pitcher had tracked the ball down, he's throwing it in. You can see it's going to be a play of the plate, and literally the whole place comes to their feet, and you could just – feel it i was like yeah this is it. it this is what people want um and so that's amazing and of course the one that gets all the the funny laughs is uh fans can catch a ball for an out and um you know you go to a baseball game and that's what you want right you want to catch a foul ball yeah and exactly now you can do it and you can contribute to the game and we that's had great. a we had a fan catch one this past spring um, when the bananas were batting mistakenly. And people started booing him booing and, and yelling oh, at him. Oh, yeah. And the, 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 media, the media people that were there went up to him, like, what are you doing? And uh, it was a hoot. And people love it. So that's, I, I, that's, love, I love it that you guys turned it into a, a really fun thing. That is really cool. So I can catch a foul ball if I'm in the fan in the in the stands. That counts as an out. So it's kind of the the the, the customer, the fan, is part of the experience. Actually, part of the wins and losses. Very interesting. Yeah. It kind of reminds you of like so user generated content. What are you guys doing on that side? Of- you know, we're always thinking about what are those shareable moments for people. And so you know, when when our when our band uh, does the pregame march at five twenty five in front of our entire line of people who are lined up to get into the game, immediately you see people's phones going up because this is the start. You know, they want to let people yeah. know that they're here. Um, the other big piece is the dancing first base coach. Like the dancing first base coach always gets 
phones going up. Uh, there might be a, a, another moment that happens during the game where it's like, boom, phones are going up. And so we're always looking for those, like, how do we create those phones going up moments for people? Because we know those are being shared across social media. As we think about our future games and events and stadium design and things like that, we are going to continue to look for uh, shareable moments where people can capture something and share it to the world. We're going to jump into rapid fire real quick. Um, epic failures. Any epic failures? Um, when, when, when we stopped doing what we were doing best and we got, we started trying to do concerts and festivals and beer trucks and food trucks. And like, we were trying all these crazy things and we realized people just wanted to be bananas fans and we had to yeah. come back to what we were best at. And, uh, it was a good thing cause we learned a lot from it. Um, but we just tried to do way too much that we weren't good at and it wasn't what our fans really yeah. wanted. You mean like bringing in food trucks or like going out and being like part of a food truck festival or something? Trying to create all these separate events at the okay. stadium, you know, doing concerts. You know, all right, it's Bananas, yeah. bananas Concert. Bananas, uh, um, we did a um, uh, Haunted House. Bananas yeah. Food Truck Rodeo. Bananas, um, yeah, yeah. you know, okay. like just crazy stuff. And yeah. um, everyone asked, when's, when's baseball season? When's baseball yeah, season? And it was like, oh, yeah, sure. that's yeah, what yeah. they're here for. Yeah, yeah, that's really that's good. That's a good lesson for for us for, for sure. Um, how many people have slipped on a banana peel during your tenure as president? Uh, I don't know about banana peel, but um, we we've had we, we actually bought these um, uh, banana shaped uh, caution caution cones. I don't know if you've ever seen them, but they make the, the yeah. slippery when wet signs. Uh, they make them as banana peels, so we have them all over the ballpark. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Cool. Biggest achievement? Kind of what would you say are the top, you know, one or two that you'd be like, you know what? That's something I'm real proud of. Yeah, I, I know it's this it probably sounds cliche, but um we get so excited when our people uh get to achieve the things that that they are dreaming about. Uh and it might be a bucket list trip. It might be uh I, I remember when when one of our people told us that they were leaving to go pursue their MBA. Um, you know, when, when people buy houses, when people get married, um, those are, we're just like, this is so cool. Uh, not that we're the reason for it, but you just feel like, Hey, we were kind of a part of that. And that, that, that gets us excited. That's awesome. What books, any books you're reading lately? You're talking about the Chick-fil-A one. Yeah. Reading Chick-fil-A right now. Eat more chicken, inspire more people. Uh, been reading some Amazon stuff. One, one that I've just been totally blown away by is this, um, this book right here is called upstream. It's by Dan Heath. And the, the subtitle is the quest to solve problems before they happen. And the, the idea is that, um, you know, as, as so going back to that problem solving thing, as much as we love the person who, you know, saved the day at the last minute, you know, uh, that the house was on fire and they hosed it down or, yeah. you know, the, the person was about to get in a car wreck and or they got in a car wreck and they jumped in and gave them CPR. Like we love all those people and they're, they're heroes. Yeah. But what if what if the problem never existed? Exactly. What about those people who it. go so far up? stream that yeah. they actually pre prevent the problems from ever happening and this this book he does government examples education examples nonprofit business i mean and because because usually you read a book and it's like okay we're just going to talk about one sector one business 
this yeah. app and it's okay well how's it applicable to me this book he goes all over the place and it's fascinating that's and last question my favorite is if you're running the free jacks today what would you be focused on Oh man, I would, I would come back to the people, come back to, you know, for us, it's the people that work for us. Uh, it's our fans and then it's ourselves. And so those, those are the kind of those three pillars of people that we think about. Um, how are you, how are we making our people our biggest fans? Cause I think the yeah. people that work for you have got to be big fans. Um, how do you make your fans, obviously your biggest fans. And then how are you a big fan of it as well, because I think so many times uh, we can pour ourselves out over and over and over and we realize, man, I'm just empty. I'm kind of lost at this. I'm not feeling as motivated, not feeling as excited. So what gets you pumped up every day? And for us, a lot of that yeah. is we're reading, we're listening to podcasts, you know, we're yeah. uh, we're sharing the story, we're, we're, we're taking different input from people. Um, so yeah, it would be how are we focusing on building more fans? Um, you know, Business doesn't exist with, without people. And if you build people on the inside, if you build people on the outside, if you build yourself, um, can be some dynamic change. Jared, very, very well said. Uh, one of my favorite episodes today. That's It's fantastic. I'm looking forward to continuing the dialogue. Thanks for listening to the latest episode of Full Contact CEO. Don't forget to subscribe and make sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Go check out the Savannah Bananas if you haven't already. Epic sports entertainment. They're changing the game. Great to have you, Jared. Thank you so much.